0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the Double-Edged Double Bill. This week, Japanese Cinema has us asking, Why don't Vampire and Frankenstein Girls play nice in Hell? Adam, Thomas, and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then both will have to pick a number between one and ten in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin! And I am Thomas Mariani saying Konnichiwa.
0: and I am Adam Fuck Bomber Thomas
1: Fuck Bombers. Yeah, Fuck-bombers. that's what we are. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but this week, um, in honor of. Nothing, really. We just wanted to kind of do something different. We've done foreign films before, Adam, and foreign for us, of course, is not in the English language because we are um, American plebs, as it were.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yes, and uh, we briefly discussed, do we do, like, general foreign movies? And it's like, nah, that seems too broad. And uh, we decided, uh, you know what, let's do a specific sort of country because every country has some form of cinema, Adam. To some degree, even if it's not the most high quality in terms of, you know, traditional production. Every... You know, country has some form of cinematic expression to some degree. And I think, obviously, we decided to go with Japanese cinema here. And uh, they have definitely a rich tapestry of film, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I'd say it's they're one of, wouldn't you say, the top five that produce film?
1: Outside of America, I would say, yes. It's yeah. like them and China. Uh, China, South Korea, obviously, in terms of specifically Asian countries. But even places like France and Germany have their own stuff. Right. Sweden, of course, has a lot of great stuff as well. And obviously, we want to get to some of those at some point for sure. We would like to, when on a slow, especially a week where there's nothing really to connect anything to, we can dip into that foreign stuff because we're not uncultured, are we, Adam?
0: I'm kind of an old cultured swine. I gotta be
1: honest. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, like, slightly clean, because I, you know, watch Criterion movies occasionally. (laughs) But but I'm not above going into the slop with you. Not at all. Right. Um, And admittingly, with the two uh, Japanese films we're going with today, um, neither of them are Kurosawa, necessarily. (laughs) Oh,
0: I'd say that's definite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not not quite, yeah, because we're doing a couple more recent films. Uh, We are, uh, for those of you who might be new, Especially if you're on the ESO Network and you might have just discovered us last week. uh, Welcome again. At the end of our last episode, uh, we did some picking that was random, where Adam had two bad movies and I had two good movies and we each assigned those numbers between 1 and 10. And then our guest, uh, Lance Langford, last episode ended up uh, picking numbers between 1 and 10 and we got whichever one that got closest to, got us our double feature for the evening. And uh, for my good pick, uh, we have Why Don't You Play in Hell, which is a film released in 2013 in Japan. Um, and then we got a movie for Adam, uh, called Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. We'll we'll really dissect that in a bit, but we're gonna start with a good feature, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, before we do, though, we do also want to emphasize, um, we're a couple, as we mentioned of, uncultured American swine, so Mm -hmm. uh, any Japanese person potentially listening, one, we're sorry we're gonna mispronounce a bunch of names, and two, there's maybe some cultural stuff we don't quite get the context for but that doesn't mean we can't appreciate the films, or not, at the same time. (laughs) Right. Yes, of course. So, with that being said, let's get into Why Don't You Play in Hell?
0: Yo! Let's go! Ah!
1: So, uh, Why Don't You Play in Hell, as I mentioned, uh, came out September 28, 2013 in Japan. It was released uh, over here in the States uh, via Drafthouse Films, which is how I discovered this film in college. Uh, around the time of, like, the start of this decade, uh, the Alamo Drafthouse started doing uh, movie releasing, and uh, they released a bunch of interesting, weird movies, like the Act of Killing, for example, that documentary, or a few other, like, weird culty things like this, um, which is uh, directed by a guy named Sion uh, Sono. Um, and basic plot for those of you who might not have seen it is uh, the movie follows a couple different storylines, but the two main ones are there's this group of young filmmakers, renegades, um, as they are called. Uh, the collective is the Fuck Bombers.
0: Yep. <laughs> Which is amazing because I don't understand why
1: <laughs> they're fuck bombers, Adam. They they're bomb and they fuck hard.
0: Oh. I mean, clearly, uh, obviously... I guess you just laid it out, yep.
1: <laughs> self-explanatory. It's all in the name. Um, but there are a bunch of kids uh, who, 10 years prior to the main events, are like making small movies. And while they're making a movie with um, this random street tough who they want to turn into their Bruce Lee, uh, they encounter a the aftermath of a Yakuza attack, which involved uh, the attempted murder of this main Yakuza boss uh, named uh, Mudo, as played by uh, Jun... Kunimura, uh, who you might know from the first Kill Bill film, He Gets Beheaded by Lucy Liu. Yeah, he's boss Tanaka. Yes, and he's also in uh, Audition as the friend, who's just like, hey, I want you to do an audition? Oh, my God, that is him. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, boy. He's mostly in the part that's like the romantic comedy of that movie, <laughs> before he yeah. switches. Uh, the first of two Audition cast members who will be in our features tonight, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, he is this uh, Yakuza boss who his wife ends up getting put in jail after they accused of trying to assassinate her, and she proceeds to beat the fuck out of these dudes in an awesome opening oh, sequence. Um, and their daughter ends up coming across them as her mother has turned herself in, I love her, just like, call somebody, and the knife is in the table. This little girl is a burgeoning actress after she's been in a popular toothpaste commercial with a song you will not get out of your head. I assume you haven't, Adam. It's
0: so annoying, too, though.
1: <laughs> it's great. It's I know, right? So it's amazing. Nasty. It's such a great <laughs> fucking <God>. jingle. <laughs> Nash your teeth, Adam.
0: <laughs> with yeah, all your gnash might. Nash your teeth. With all your might.
1: Let's fly.
0: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> oh, that's the perfect Japanese commercial. It's so great. Mm-hmm. So this little girl ends up finding out, oh, my mother's been thrown in prison after attacking all these Yakuza and causing a huge ruckus outside, uh, in the middle of town, and she's put in jail for ten years, and so we cut to ten years later, and she's about to be released from prison, but she had all these aspirations about, like, oh, our young daughter, Mitsuku, is gonna end up being a big star, and she's gonna be in her first film, right? You told me this, Dad. You told me that she was gonna be in her first movie, and we're gonna screen it after I get out? And he's like, yeah, right. That's what we're doing. And so he enlists the Yakuza, and then eventually this film crew to make a movie... Out of a big raid they're doing against the rival gang leader, who is also this person who encountered uh, Mitsku during this big attack they had at the beginning of the movie, and has a weird obsession with her.
0: Yeah, really odd.
1: (laughs) Really odd. Um, Especially as the movie goes along, they reveal a bit more (laughs) that gets really twisted. But this is a movie I saw in college, and I just remember hearing like, "Oh, this is one of those underground like darlings" of when it was released here in 2014. I um, was very curious about it, and I loved this movie, and I shared this movie with so many friends who all loved it as well. And revisiting it, I still really enjoy the hell of it. It's a weird, gonzo production that goes into really bizarre twists and turns, but yet it's still very genuine at the same time. And I love how it really balances that for me. But Adam, this is the first time you've seen it, right?
0: Yes, it is.
1: And uh, what'd you think of it?
0: All right, first hour, I'm like, uh uh-oh. I was not into it the very first hour of the movie. And uh, I was getting worried. I'm like, oh, shit. I know Thomas really likes this movie. I'm going to get on here and then be like, no, not for me. The second hour, however, is so batshit off the walls crazy, the raid scene alone makes this movie worth it.
1: It's less a scene, and it's more of, like, the entire third act of the movie. The <laughs> fucking carnage. <laughs>
0: yeah. The, some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. And I was, I found myself laughing out loud at a couple of it, like, when, oh god, I can't think of his name, the the one who, sh- like, becomes her boyfriend, supposedly, and they, they think he's the director.
1: Right, right, Genji, yes. Yeah, when
0: he gets his fucking hand cut off, because he's all coked out. And he looks out and starts just screaming. I started laughing so hard. And then when all the cops are there and the sword slowly pokes through the rice paper and it just keeps going forward and it's him again. I just, dude, I lost my shit. It was so funny. No, I, I really, really ended up really liking this movie and I was worried that I wasn't going to. And the guy who plays the rival Yakuza member, the one that they film has the obsession with her. Right, He stole the movie for me. That fucking grin of yep. his, I mean, his whole face distorts. Yeah, no, he he was excellent. I really, really did enjoy this
1: movie. So even with, like, your reservations about the first hour, did it end up at least making up for that, or did some of that stuff actually work better in context of the ending of the movie?
0: The second half made up for the first half. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah, okay. the first half was all building up the characters because there is a lot of characters in this movie. Yes. And they're, you know, basically three or four separate storylines but then they all just come crashing together in the second half i have a couple questions like about the ending okay uh, so let's get into a spoiler thing real quick
1: well yeah i mean yeah if you haven't seen this movie we both do at least recommend it yeah, definitely
0: so were they all dead or at the end when they're all bandaged up and everything was that they
1: survived um, I think the movie's dealing with a sort of magical realism by that point, um, it's sort of in this weird fever state, to where it doesn't I really give a it's shit. It's
0: him running at the end, and then maybe he was seeing that shit in his head while he was running.
1: Either that, or it's like a dying thing, because he even got shot to shit, the, the main character. <laughs> well, they all did, but he especially, <laughs> even though he he's the one that gets up and keeps running, but then again, this is also the world where, as you mentioned with, um, I apologize if I got it wrong earlier, uh, the Koji character. Uh, oh, like, Played uh, by Jen Hoshino. He, like, as you mentioned, has, like, a fucking katana through his head <laughs> and has his arm spilled off. And yet he's still able to walk around for a bit after that. I-, I think the movie is very much dealing with, like, sort of a comedic realism by that point. Especially, I love the fact that the movie ends with, as you mentioned, it's the shot of him running and they go for a while. And then they call cut and they break the fourth wall and have, like, oh, it's, <laughs> like, he just walks off. Like, oh, god, I gotta sit down. And, like, PAs start coming out and shit like that. That they just realize, like, this is all a show. It all deals with, like, sort of the magical realism of cinema in general. This is us putting on, like, a little rascal show. Only instead Mm -hmm. of, like, you know, oh, we're gonna be on stage and do wacky things. It's like, oh, we're gonna fucking murder people in the most comedically (laughs) over-the-top ways. it's gonna be great.
0: When when Homeboy's on the camera track. Yep. (laughs) With the goddamn giant M16 machine gun. Just spraying people <laughs> i mean i was dying that scene alone when that happened amped it up even more <laughs> all of a sudden, the camera crew people are shooting everybody yep she's running around with an uzi he's on the camera track i i fucking what is going on <laughs> and everybody dies when mudo gets his fucking head cut off mm-hmm I was like, "Oh my God, what is happening?" He
1: signs it so good. He signs it.
0: This is a wacky ass fucking movie. You could definitely see the Kill Bill inspiration uh, which right. you guys going to record it, obviously, uh, especially with the scenes with her, like when she's in the middle of all the guys. Like right. that's almost a scene straight out of Kill Bill. I saw like a lot of John Waters esque, like Cecil B. Demented in here. Mm-hmm. Just there's a lot of different influences in this movie. It's fucking wild, though.
1: Like even during that first hour, you were probably not bored necessarily as much as confused. I assume because the movie just throws so much shit at you.
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't i wouldn't even say confused. Just more or less like, how the fuck are they going to do this? Intersect all of this shit at the same time, and they went the easiest possible route they could have, and it totally works. Well, we're just going to make them all fight. Like, oh, okay. And it totally fucking works.
1: What would you say is the point where it got you on board? Was it just with, like, the big raid sequence, or was there a specific point where you're like, oh, I see where this is going
0: now? It's one simple scene. Mm-hmm. It's when they first get the girl back. I I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. What, Mitsoku or whatever?
1: Mitsuku, yeah.
0: And they get her back, and she's with the guy, with Koji or whatever, and the dad's beating his ass, and then she's like, no, he's a director, that's why he went with him. And he's like, "They will make the movie, you know, we do this, canvas uh lights do you need lights <laughs> like he instantly changes his <laughs> computer towards this guy i like oh god this is gonna get good and that's exactly what it happened for me that one little scene that i was just completely on board from then on
1: i'll defend the first hour where i would say i i really enjoy all that stuff because i think it does a good job of building up a lot of sort of the weird arrested development for the fuck bombers and then also how that even is paralleled with like a lot of the stuff with uh, the Mudo character. I care about my wife, but I don't care that much about my daughter at the same time. But I, I need my daughter to basically use to please my wife when she comes back. When he talks about the whole thing about oh, um, you can either have breakfast, lunch, or dinner budget, <laughs> and talking about his uh, various different extramarital affairs he is having, and compares it to that. Um, I, I like the fact that they kind of parallel those two characters. Where like one person seems like they're quote unquote on their shit, but really they're you know yakuza. They're they're constantly contradicting and being idiots at the same time whereas the fuck bombers aren't necessarily the most mature people but at the same time they have more of a drive and a passion for something that feels at the very least noble to some degree like even no matter how much the their action star hero is like we're not doing anything we're fucking failures it's like well but we still want to make one great movie like that's all they really want to do in life is not even like have a huge successful career japanese cinema it's like we want to make one particular movie it's a don quixote thing Which I always, like, I'm always endeared to that kind of story. About, like, these complete nobodies who aren't going to really make it that much. It's the Muppets, it's the little rascals, like I mentioned. Despite all impossible odds, they just want to put on a show and make people happy and make a great thing. That's all they want, just one great achievement. And I'm endeared to that, even if, like, that guy mentioned, the Bruce Lee guy, has a point that they're kind of fucking losers. But at the same time, they have a drive and a passion that I could at least be endeared to.
0: No, I definitely agree, and you gotta figure that poor guy... They've basically only been making fan films his whole life. He's not been paid for anything. <laughs> like, no, I completely, completely agree with that. And you know, honestly, I think I might appreciate the first hour more to, uh, with a rewatch for sure. Because this, like I said, this was my first time watching it. I had had no idea what to even expect. So maybe with a rewatch, I'd, I'd appreciate it more. And I can honestly say I probably will rewatch this at some point, even just because of. The fucking last hour.
1: (laughs) Um, My favorite characters in this movie are really uh, Mudo's Yakuza henchmen, who are so on board to help him no matter what the situation. Like even earlier on, there's that whole sequence where it's like, "Oh, hey, she's coming in ten days. Um, You know what? We got to clean this entire place up." And they all go out like they're the fucking Snow White animals, just like cleaning outside. (laughs) And you see it from the perspective of the cops and shit. It's like, what the fuck are they doing? (laughs) They're just cleaning up everything. (laughs) I have no idea why. And then later on, when they really want to get good at the film production side of it, it's like, we don't know how to do this, but we're going to do it the best way that we can. Like, I love that weird gumption that they give these fucking Yakuza henchmen.
0: We're not very confident, but we'll do it till we die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so, And then at least, like, my favorite shot of the whole movie is when, we keep not saying the main character, um, it's Akijimi, uh played by, once again, apologies, uh, Shinji Sasumi? Um, the main fuck bomber guy, I love the whole show where he's talking about like, hmm, a script. Let me think, you know, I could spend a lot of time writing the script, and while I'm doing that, they can all train to either use the camera or how to fight. Or how to use 35mm, and it's them on the beach, and they're all like, it's a one shot of everybody training or whatever. At the start of the shot, he's like starting to write the script, and then it goes over everybody as they're training to do whatever. And then it leads all the way over there, and there's suddenly a giant stack of papers next to that guy. (laughs) I "I finished the script, and everyone looks at it, and they're like, Yay! And everyone lifts their hands. (laughs) I love that shot so much. It's the whole movie in a nutshell. About how all these people don't really know how to do this very well. They don't have a lot of experience, but at the same time, they have this incredible passion. And that almost supersedes everything, and I love seeing that.
0: Yeah, th- that was a really, really good shot. I liked that one a lot. I really, really dug the rainbow blood spray. Yes, that whole sequence is so great. That whole sequence is so great. because, And then that led also led into my biggest laugh out loud moment. Right. Where he's just coked, and then fucking just that guy just runs by and cuts his fucking hand off. Like, oh my god.
1: And then I love and that the, that leads also into, like, a heartfelt moment between him and Mitsku, and then he gets the katana through the head, and that one guy's like, ha that's what you get for letting your guard down and then
0: scamp some away. What are they being so lovey-dovey about? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Uh... No, and I really do. I do like the part with the uh, where they're cleaning as well. That that got that part did actually make me laugh. Where he's like, "It looks like they're just cleaning, and they're really happy about it." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the old detective, "Don't you know they're planning a raid? This is just to distract us." No, it wasn't. They were literally just cleaning. <laughs> like it's so funny. It's so so funny. And I also love that one guy takes over. He's like, "Take off the American clothes." Only kimonos from now on! No more guns! Only Katanas! And we're going to go live in the castle! Everyone's like, oh, okay? <laughs> like, nobody even questions it. That guy just takes over and changes everything instantly.
1: <laughs> to go back to my earlier point about how like they're, the weird similarities they draw with like the Yakuza and the filmmakers there's a point where they discuss like alright do you have a plan well I have my plan and then Ludo goes into his plan which is this also really cool sequence where they do like a pre-raid almost in a dream sequence where like the rival yakuza gang is just sitting around and all of a sudden the walls break apart and i love how like all the like obviously gory play stuff's happening but that yakuza guy's like oh my god the line between reality and fiction is completely blurring i have no idea what's going like just announcing what the point
0: is because they're based in fantasy and i'm in reality (laughs) fucking
1: nuts Yeah, right. I love the fact that we're describing this, anyone who's still listening who didn't watch the movie is just like, what are they talking about? <laughs> what the fuck is this movie they're talking about? That's the thing, it defies really description. Why don't you play in hell Is a movie that you just need to see to believe? I mean,
0: and it's hard, it's a comedy. There's yes. no question, but it's a ton of different things too. It's a Yakuza movie, it's a movie about you know underground filmmaking, it's a, it's a weird romance story involved in there. It's a movie about friendship. It's a movie about you know parents and the relationship to their children and what they expect out of them and how sometimes they expect too much and want to live vicariously through them. It's about kids rebelling against that. It's, there's so much in this fucking movie. And like I said, that's the reason The Last Hour really fucking killed me. Because they got all these messages and then they just go, fuck it. Let's go brutal violent.
1: But at the same time, what I love is that, like, that brutality and that over-the-top violence within that, they also resolve a lot of the arcs that are going on at the same time.
0: That's the tactic. They decide to use all these really big thematic elements. Like, these really, you know, could be, they could have gone a hundred different ways with each fucking element, and they decide to culminate them all in this just groundswell of blood and viscera. It's fucking insane. I've never seen something be done like that, really. I mean, right. I have seen violent movies before, but not to where, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> these fucking fuck bomber kids are so dedicated to making this movie that they're in there killing people. Yep. And his buddy, Sans, Sansa K or whatever, the one who, who wants to quit. right? It's, they're just kicking the shit and, out of people and killing them. Like, And then they just start shooting off guns and shit. I mean, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) And this poor Koji kid, that fucking guy, that poor bastard.
1: (laughs) He just wanted to make a phone call in a phone booth and then he got this.
0: And then he basically got abducted. Now he's in a fucking Japanese, like, castle cutting (laughs) dude with katanas and shit. (laughs) Yep. In the span of hours. Yes. (laughs) like not even a full day. The shit, he first got abducted in, like, the afternoon, and then by fucking 10 o'clock at night, he's getting his hand cut off and a katana put in his brain.
1: That's another thing I love about this movie, too, just how quickly this all comes together and it just feels like, so spur of the moment, just like, yeah, fuck it, let's make a movie by attacking this fucking place in filming.
0: <laughs> and the vomit scene. Oh. oh.
1: <laughs> I usually don't like vomit scenes, but I love it when it's especially, like, one of these that goes on for... Far too long.
0: And it also looks so ridiculously phony. (laughs) Like the vomit's not even coming out of his mouth. Not at all. (laughs) You can tell it's like shooting out of his chin. Where the little hose might have pointed down or he cocked his head back too but, far. But, so. but,
1: but then what makes it is that he does this in front of like this place where like the fuck bombers are like, Oh, we pray to the god of movies, that's their big recurring thing. We pray to him and we put it inside this little like prayer box that's right above like a little well almost and that's where he vomits <laughs> and then he picks up the thing and then he screams uh, it and he's like, This is it This is how we solve <laughs> it And he's like, once again very Muppety in terms of his motion, just like, Yes Let's get him! let's do this He looks like a Muppet. He kind of does. But I I wanted to go back to his storyline in terms of, how do you feel about the um, Mitsku character?
0: I thought she was fun. She's insane, (laughs) uh, obviously. Like, the the broken bottle kiss scene Yes, was a little much. uh, Like, like, what the fuck? Uh, But I liked her. I mean, she was a badass. There wasn't a whole lot to her character either, though. I, I get the idea that she was the kid, you know, the... Toothpaste commercial and the one guy was obsessed and her dad is the head of the rival gang. But then it's like you get her as the adult and she's just a badass and that's pretty much it. They don't really give her character a lot of depth.
1: Admittingly, I do agree. I prefer the younger version of her. One, she just comes in like, I'm home and then slides on all that blood, which is another (laughs) great bit of this movie. And then she just slides in and Emile just meets the guy she's like, oh, your mother's one tough nut to crack. And she's just like, the fuck are you doing here? Clean this shit up! And she's <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> just like, Oh, you know, I guess I should call the the hospital for you. And then she goes over the phone and picks it up, Hello? You know, some people trying to attack my mother. There's blood everywhere. You should probably come for, like, the one guy who's alive. Okay, bye.
0: That <laughs> tells up. him,
1: Okay, now clean it up! <laughs> <laughs> and even, like we mentioned, that opening sequence where the mom does her big attack on all the Yakuza guys, that's a way to start a fucking movie. Oh,
0: yeah, it's- I love what she's chasing him. Well, she's a fucking maniac.
1: I know, yeah, right? And especially that bit where she attacks, like, she follows that guy up the roof mm-hmm. and then stabs her over the graded place and, like, all the blood pours on the citizens.
0: I, so ridiculous. <laughs> the arterial spray of this movie is, well, our next movie might have a little bit more hardcore arterial spray.
1: Yeah, mainly um, the arterial spray in our next movie is probably the least offending thing, though, at the same time. Um... Yeah. That's another thing. I would definitely, if you're, say, a horror movie fan, um, I would definitely recommend this to any Horror Movie Fan, because it's about as gory as, like, a Peter Jackson movie. That's another thing I definitely got it's, like, a lot of Peter Jackson gore porn in this one.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I definitely agree, and I didn't expect it at all. Yeah. Like, you do not expect it to go this, to go that gory. I mean, yeah. and it goes really gory. I mean, there's decapitations, limbs being hacked off, people being shot to shit. I mean, it's fucking, kids are really bloody. That whole fucking building at the end is just cover is red.
1: Yeah, it's red, but it's a new paint job.
0: Several coats. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. I'd love to. Cut! The lights went out. <laughs> like, right, right <laughs> the beginning of the fucking huge fight. They make everyone stop so they can fix the lights and they're like, all right, face the face your closest opponent. Action. Like,
1: Jesus. I, I, that's another thing I love too is that like the yakuza guys are also into it. Even the opposing yakuza group, they actually call them. It's like, hey, we want to make a movie out of this, and you know, it starts oh. Misku and the main yakuza guy over there is like, okay, you know, I have this weird obsession with her, so let's. I want to get on board with the shirt. Let's film The Raid and all this other stuff. So everyone's in on it and treats it somewhat like a professional movie set. Like the bit where he's fighting the Bruce Lee guy. And it's like, cut! And the main Yakuza guy's like, you know what, kid? You're really good. I really like your style. I gotta go kill some people over here, (laughs) buddy.
0: I love the sound guy just sitting there the whole time. The old man.
1: (laughs) And this was even like the ending where like everybody gets like a weird curtain call of sorts when, he, like, he goes over just like, thank you for recording the sound and then takes it, the guy's, like, dead, just burned over. I, or, I or the best thing, the guy who's shooting the camera's like, amazing, you're filming even when you're dead, and then takes the 35-millimeter bit. Stupid. <laughs> but endearingly stupid, Adam. Yeah, so, I agree. It's so warm and affectionately stupid. And, I mean, we could go on for a while, this is a great movie, but we'll spin this All album to our final thoughts, because we got... Another movie to talk about. So, your final thoughts, Adam, on why aren't you playing hell? I
0: went into this completely cold. I had no idea what it was about, other than your brief description at the end of last episode. So I didn't know what to expect at all. And uh, I walked out of it. Well, not I didn't walk out of it. I sh- turned it off. <laughs> um, pleasantly surprised and uh, entertained. It's it, it definitely is one that snuck up on me. Like I said, the first hour or so, I wasn't into it. It might have just been in a weird headspace or just maybe, like I said, I didn't know where it was going. And then, holy shit, the crescendo of this movie, I mean, it makes it worth it tenfold. I definitely, definitely uh, would recommend this movie to people, for show.
1: Would you say it's one of the better discoveries you've had on this show so far, Adam?
0: Uh, It's in the top five, for sure, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Nothing's going to dethrone Moonlight, but... True. Yeah, it's, it's up there, for sure. I mean, sure. both
1: similarly-themed films, obviously, in a lot of ways. they well, I
0: mean, 100% the same.
1: <laughs> they both have <laughs> beach scenes? It's exactly the same. A beach scene and there's people. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so I obviously really loved this. This is one that I really treasure from my college days. And I was worried revisiting it. just like, is this going to weigh down for me a bit? And no, it didn't. It's still great. I still consistently really enjoy this movie a lot. Because, it's like you mentioned, it builds so many big thematic drives and all these characters and all this other stuff. But then it crescendos in one of the most amazing big action set pieces of all time that still closes a lot of the arcs. In very untraditional, weird ways. Some of them maybe aren't the best. Like, I do think that once they kind of hit more at the rival Yakuza guy's um, obsession with Mitsuku, that's where, oh yeah, I com- kind of forgot he's weirdly into her. <laughs> but... Regardless of that, um, it still is like such a consistently fun, silly movie that at the same time has a lot of heart to it. That uh, just com- it's one of the main reasons I love a really good genre mashup uh, because something like this can easily fall completely apart, but uh, this one doesn't. It stays together uh, with a lot of spit, duct tape, heart, and gore. By the end of it, like the gore is keeping the walls together. <laughs> at a certain point, it acts as an adhesive. Um, but, uh, yeah, so definitely if you have not seen it, despite what we're saying, uh, you can't really spoil Why Don't You Play in Hell. There's no real way to <laughs> spoil it because these are all just yep. random thoughts just splurting out, like, out of a, you know, a neck that's just been severed <laughs> and just, like, all this articular blood just all over the place. Uh, but, before we get to our next feature, uh, let's get a ESO podcast, uh, promo for another ESO show you could be listening to right now. We are the Cigar Nerds, bringing nerdy sophistication and geeky indulgence on all topics, including movies, video games, science, and pop culture news, all from the Nerd Cave Cigar Lounge. Find us on iTunes, Stitchers, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are found, including esonetwork.com and cigarnerdpodcast.com. So fire up a cigar. It's time to get nerdy. Well, that sounded like fun. Oh, what a great thing
0: that was. (laughs) (laughs) I am sure what that show is dead on with its subject.
1: Exactly, yes, Uh, but um, how about the opposite of dead on with a subject in any degree? Vampire girl versus Frankenstein girl. So uh, look. I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me do some setup and then I'll give you a chance to explain yourself to the court. So this came out uh, August 15, thousand nine, and it's uh, directed by Yoshiro Nishimura and Nayako Tomomatsu. Um I know the Yoshiro guy, uh he I believe was the guy who directed Tokyo Gore Police when well, yeah, these two guys okay. did. Which I haven't seen in full, but I've seen plenty of weird-ass clips. Uh, especially there's a bit in that movie, for some reason, where a woman's lower half is an alligator jaw? Like, that's yep. the main thing I know about that movie. <laughs> um, so I was at least kind of curious about this, what I believe is a TV production? Because it's rated, like, TVMA in all the places I was, like, seeing it. And it kind of looks like a TV production, though Ooh. I don't know what network <laughs> would air this. Japan's standards, obviously, probably out the window. Um, compared to what we know, necessarily, as Dumb Americans. Uh, But speaking of Dumb Americans, um, Adam, so (laughs) this is your pick, and uh, why?
0: Well, uh, you gave me the choice for bad Japanese cinema, and this is one of the first ones that popped in my head. uh, (laughs) It's so fucking terrible. Okay, the first time I heard about this movie, there was a... A story about it in like an issue of Fangoria and um it was right around the same like Tokyo Gore police hell driver things like that were all out of time and I'm like vampire girl versus Frankenstein girl that sounds kind of cool a vampire chick versus a Frankenstein chick and there's going to be kung fu and stuff so all right cool a lot of gore and stuff Fangoria was promoting which there is but as stated before that's not the offensive part to this movie. No. I re- No, I bought this movie on Ooh. DVD from, like, Family Video or something like that. For the first... So, like, two ninety nine. I should have got a refund. But... This fucking thing...
1: Mm-hmm. A,
0: is almost unwatchably offensive.
1: Yep. You want to explain why? Why don't you give people a plot synopsis, Adam? Uh... Well... <laughs> Uh, I can try. <laughs> uh, well,
0: there's a vampire girl that fights a Frankenstein girl. There's a bit
1: in the but, middle, though. I think there's a lot that happens before that happens in, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie, I believe. Well,
0: I mean, there's the cutter girls, there's the the girls who want to look African-American... There's just there's just so much wrong with this movie, dude. I, I'm not even going to try to synopsize it. I'm really not.
1: Well, you know what? I I, I will, do, sir, because I oh, want yeah. our audience oh. to know exactly what this is. So, uh, the titular vampire girl, um, Monomi, basically catches her eyes onto this uh, guy named Juga, um, who is sort of like the typical um, Japanese anime boy, <laughs> where he's just like oh, kind yeah. of <laughs> staring off into the distance and he looks. Uh, So cute to all the girls, including um, he's currently dating the uh, future Frankenstein girl, um, Kikyo, uh, who is dressed in Lolita garb, uh, which is like the loli or whatever the hell it is in Japan. Like, basically, the fetishizing of girls in, like, really skimpy outfits that are, like, over-the-top versions of, you know, young girl outfits. It's uh, it's disgusting here to our sensibilities. Um, But, uh, so basically, the vampire girl romances the boy, by giving him a chocolate for sort of the Valentine's Day. some sort of ritual that I guess happens in Japan. I did some light research about that. Um, And inside of this little uh, candy is her blood. So that starts him on becoming a vampire to be basically her um, familiar, her Renfield, I guess. And this causes conflict with the Frankenstein girl who ends up um, picking apart um, the various different Subsex of the school's uh, body parts, because her dad is sort of like a Dr. Frankenstein type. He he fancies himself and also wears a kabuki theater outfit. The two of the subsex of the school include, as you mentioned, uh, there's a group of uh, young ladies who fancy themselves um, expert cutters. As in wrist cutters, um, who really like cutting up their arms, uh, because that's funny. Um, and another subsect, uh, which is based on an actual thing called Ganguro, uh, which is, uh, these girls that, uh, wear blackface.
0: Yeah, but this is, this is a little extreme.
1: Which, especially, (laughs) I found out in research that that Ganguro thing, I figured, like, oh, is this, like, an old-school Japan thing that's probably, like, been around for centuries and they're doing a parody of that? Uh, no, that was a trend that started in the mid-90s!
0: In Japan! Yeah, but this is this is just so extreme. I mean, the prosthetics, right? Yeah, locally. there's
1: there's one who has like very offensive, quite frankly, very the most menstrual-like prosthetics that yeah. are um, blatantly awful, and um, she is the one that also does a lot of the sort of over-the-top rants at one point, referencing uh, Obama, "Yes, we can," and Michael Jackson turning his skin white and all this other stuff. And the whole time I'm watching this, I just realized like. This is Japan's attempt at a trauma movie. Yes. Well, I think I think most of
0: those are uh, kind of are like Tokyo Gore Police, Hell Driver, things like that. Yeah, it, it is their version of like trauma stuff, just crazy gore and everything. But this one definitely feels more like, like you said, like a trauma thing. Because I could see this legit whole movie with English actors and Trauma's name on it. It would totally make sense.
1: Yeah, and it's one of the bad ones, though. Well, Strike bad because with Trauma, it's more just like watchable and unwatchable. Yeah, there's no, there's no, no. there's no good. Right. Uh, we'll do a Trauma episode at some point, I'm sure, because there's a lot to talk about with those movies.
0: Maybe in February, because I'm gonna go fucking meet Lloyd Kaufman.
1: Oh, oh, you're gonna go to a comic convention. You've probably met Lloyd Kaufman. You didn't intend to, but he just showed up behind you. It's just like, hello.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's gonna be Lloyd Kaufman and Tom Atkins.
1: I'm going. It's how sticks can stick to himself, though. Lloyd Kaufman is just like, hey, go to the Troma YouTube channel. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, like,
0: oh, I fucking troll my fucking, 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 fucking. Like, all right. Sir, I'm trying to buy pop vinyls over here. No, <laughs> leave me alone, all right? <laughs> Look, man, I work here. Um, <laughs> but to get back onto this one, so it's filmed horribly. It's acted just as bad. It's offensive. The gore is so over-the-top and fake-looking. And the CGI. Oh, God. Like, with that skull in the very opening scene.
1: Um, it's about on level with, like, an internet reviewer.
0: It's like Angry Video Game Nerd.
1: Yep, exactly. It's so Angry Video Game
0: nerd. It really is. It's, like, his production value.
1: Which you can appreciate. Like, oh, wow, this guy's just doing it all by himself in his basement. It's like, oh, no, this is, like, a TV production in Japan.
0: <laughs> like I said, man, I, 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 Wow. What a bad fucking movie.
1: Right, and (laughs) some of these things on paper, if you were to tell me, like, oh, hey, this movie has, like, um, a Frankenstein girl who pieces herself together from different classmates, or ends up putting those pieces, like, on top of her head to make her, like, a helicopter, and then starts (laughs) stroming around. If you told me that, I'd be like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. But then in practice, like you mentioned, it looks cheap to a point where it's not funny bad. It's more just, it's in that weird middle zone where it's, like, not quite an Ed Wood production. And then also not, right. like, a huge, so extravagantly expensive. You're like, wow, they wasted all this money on this. It's right in that middle spot where it's just unimpressive and not even fun.
0: Like shark, like the shark movies.
1: Right, the shark movies, exactly. That's what it feels more like, is, like, they're kind of, like, really leaning into it in a way where it's like, huh? Isn't this funny? Isn't it funny? I'm gonna poke you with my fucking elbow. <laughs> it never works when they're eyeing on the joke. No.
0: It, it never does, and this is just... The one thing I did like, I mm-hmm. do like the fact that, just because I've never seen it before, and I mean, maybe it has been done before, when she bites her wrists and then she can create swords from her own blood.
1: Right, that's a cool thing, and I do actually want to say, I do agree that most of the acting's terrible, but I do want to give a shout-out to um, Yuki... Kawamura, who plays the vampire girl, I think out of all the actors, I think she gets the right tone for the movie. Yeah,
0: I agree. She's selling it the best.
1: Right, yeah, because she definitely has the, in a sort of manner where it's like, oh, I'm adorable and I'm just a scamp, but really, I'm going to fucking turn you into my boyfriend and you're not going to be able to stop me. Like, she has all this control, but she plays innocent at the same time. I think she strikes that right balance. And I think particularly the sequence that I really dug, that I thought like, okay, if the movie is more like this consistently, I'll enjoy it. Is when she's on the roof with the guy and she tells about, like, you know, last night I was out trying to get some food and I ran to our teacher, who I guess you told about my vampiric abilities. And there's the whole flashback where she catches this guy out there and she kind of seduces him into, like, trying to come onto her. And then she bites him and becomes a puppet, which I actually really like that stupid puppet that she becomes when her mouth opens up. Um, and then he starts spraying blood and she, like, showers in it. It's so ridiculous, but in a way, I kind of found it fun. And then, especially the bit where, like, the teacher keeps taking pictures, like, oh, with a digital camera, <laughs> It's just it's just a fucking funny, Like, oh my god, click, oh, click. <laughs> like, he can't Ooh. stop taking photos, and like, he, he takes the last photo, like, ah, and then it cut, like, zooms out of that same digital camera she's holding on the roof of his face, and shit <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, if the movie kept that sort of tone going, where it was. Over the top and ridiculous, but in a way that at least wasn't being like so aggressive with it.
0: Yeah. I would have had yeah. a lot more
1: fun with it. I think that's sort of the nexus of what it should have been.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, aggressive. I mean, just being offensive to be offensive. Yeah. I, I never. It's never works for me when that's done. I don't care if it's in the comedy, stand up comedy, regular comedy, action movies, whatever. If you have to be offensive, be it racially, sexually, whatever just to get a reaction, then you're, you're not, your script isn't polished, it's stupid. If you have to go to that, that's in your back pocket, just to fill time, then I got nothing for you. It immediately takes me out of whatever I'm watching.
1: It, it's a thing I always go to, is uh, Steve Martin's amazing quote in Plain streams and Automobiles. If you're going to keep going like this, have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Like yeah. that's, that's yeah. exactly what I think of every time I see one of these stupid fucking comedies do this
0: oh, I forgot about that quote that is one of the best so yeah this is this is technically this is not the second time I've seen this movie and uh, there will not be a third <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, ever. It's,
1: it's a one and done for me um, though I guess we should also give credit to I'll mention the whole audition thing uh, the main actress from audition Ahini Sheena uh, appears in a flashback here as uh, the mom of the main vampire girl.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is her. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes.
1: Yes. Um. um and, so, and that whole sequence actually reminded me a lot of the one full feature I've seen of this guys is a uh, Meatball Machine Kodoku, Um, <laughs> which is <laughs> great title for one thing, but um, also basically it's about like sort of these like weird, uh, almost Borg-ish aliens invading, and they invade these humans to obviously create massive amounts of gore in the streets. I think that's an example of one of those movies where it's, over the top, it's very gory, but also it's a lot more unrelenting. I think that's the thing, it's like, it's unrelenting in terms of, like, the -the over-the-top gore here, whereas they kind of want to replace that with the offensive comedy, and none of that works, like, really well. Like, all the scenes with the wrist cutters, where like, they're competing in some competition to be the best wrist cutter, and then it's the same thing where, like, the gunguru, the worst offender of them all, the main one, um, ends up, like trying to do this because she wants to be, like, the best track star, because, oh, of course, a, a, a black person would be yes. the best at running, would be the best at the sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it all falls so flat.
1: Yeah, or even down to um, the the subtle cameo by the guy who created The Grudge as the teacher who keeps on talking about The Grudge. Oh, God,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is him. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah.
1: And it's just talking about, oh. like, oh yeah, The 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 Grudge, which Jew on The Grudge, which is remade in America by the same director. Great guy. It's like we get a, you know, it's funny. Yeah, right? got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm going to cancel your Blu ray uh, that I bought.
1: <laughs> oh, my Christmas is ruined. No. <laughs> it's all my Amazon wish list was with copies of this fucking movie on Blu ray.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like 300 copies of it. No, uh, in this
1: fucking movie, though, it's probably like HD DVD copies of it.
0: Oh, sure. UMD uh, discs.
1: UMD? I can't wait to break out my PSP from 2005 yeah. to play. <laughs> uh, oh. So I think we're yeah. done talking about this movie. Oh, what, your, what, what, your, what are your just briefly final thoughts on this movie?
0: If this is just a huge steaming pile of shit. Uh, I can't even call it forgettable. Because I I even remembered the offensive stuff. Like I said, when you told me to pick one, this immediately popped in there. So it's not forgettable. I remember it. I did not remember it being as bad as it is. I knew it was bad, but this is just fucking this work oh my god what a chore to get through
1: it's it's memorable in the way of like ptsd drama where you have like brief flashes but you kind of ignore them and then you're like you know i have to confront my past trauma i have to really go back to it but you go back to it's like oh no it's way worse than i (laughs) remembered right
0: but i've done it now i faced it
1: right you (laughs) you faced it
0: and it's i've never i never have to deal with it again nor will i
1: Right, but you're the actual I PTSD. You were just like, "Hey, Thomas, let me drag you in and tell you my war stories." And, exactly. and now and,
0: you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like showering all time. I'm so unclean.
1: You <laughs> just wake up in the middle of the night, Conqueror, No, oh, oh my god. <laughs> <Come on. sighs> yep. Um, this is uh pretty goddamn awful. Um, I mean, I at least I'll give it credit for in terms of it, it's not boring. Um, the worst thing no. it could have been was. Completely boring, but that doesn't excuse any of the offensive material, but it's, it's just offensive, like we said, in a way that's like, it didn't truly like make me, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening, as much as like, okay, we're doing this, okay, fine, I I guess, it it feels uh, like a lot of, um, like, the really bad sort of like Comedy Central productions- Like, the ones that, like, oh, people talk about South Park or Mystery Science Theater 3000 or any of, like, the really good shows that are on there. And it's like, yeah, but you forget about those shows that lasted, like, a season and aren't released on any format for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. On an unrelated note, Cranky Anchors is coming back, guys. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) What everyone wanted. Um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a few interesting moments, I guess, but it's definitely, like I mentioned, it's very sharp-nado-y, where it really isn't on the joke and wants to, like, really wink and nudge at you, but in a way that's just like, we're not friends. Go away. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> this whole movie has an attitude. It's the, the attitude of, like, the kid who you were friends with who loved 4chan, and you're like... <sighs> oh, no. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> anyway. Uh, on that note, that where we scored a lot of different lines, that's the end of our discussion of our two <laughs> Japanese cinema movies. We did
0: way better than I thought we were
1: gonna do. With that's that. a good yeah, that's the thing. When I the moment I started watching this movie and the Gungaroo people started coming on, I'm like, Adam, what'd you get us into? <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I know me too. Oh no, fuck, I'm oh. gonna
1: get our We're already two white guys talking about Japanese movies. This is getting way worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but we tried to skirt the line, I guess. Uh, I think we if we offended you, we are sorry, but watch this movie and then realize that we weren't that bad. I'm just kidding. Don't watch this movie ever. But um, <laughs> let's get into our feedback, which uh, we do at the end of every show and on our at DV pod Facebook and Twitter page. We ask all of you about like, hey, what are your favorite, least favorite things related to whatever topic that we're going to do? for the week, and we share it here and then do our thank yous, and then we'll be picking our movies for next week at the very end, so stick around for that. But first, the first feedback from uh, one of our former guests, James Rodriguez, in reference to Japanese cinema films he loves and hates, says, um, Akira Kurosawa is one of the best directors of all time, and with Rand and Seven Samurai, he crafts some of the most gripping features ever made, where runtimes hovering up around three hours fly past like they're nothing. Also worth mentioning is Confessions, a tale detailing a grieving mother's quest for vengeance, uh, which plays out in a manner far removed from the typical Hollywood actioner. The talkative moments are gripping before lending way to unfolding layers, and will stay with you long after, a real gem worth seeking out. Um, Jonathan McHale, another former guest, says, on the animation side, many Western film aficionados would bring up uh, Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. I would go with Satoshi Kon, myself uh, like surreal psychological Darren Aronofsky films Uh, watch Perfect Blue thought that Inception didn't take the dream worlds far enough try Paprika want to see a romantic tale about Japanese cinema see Millennium Actress Uh, Mike Faber of the ESO Network says uh, Shin Godzilla and then Brian Kane says, uh, there's not enough good things you can say about Kurosawa. Yojimbo is my personal favorite by him. In the realm of anime, I would go on all day. Hakira is alongside Blade Runner and pretty much being the gold standard for cyberpunk aesthetic. Uh, the original Berserk anime is also something of a masterpiece. Did you know that Battle Royale has a sequel? I recently watched it. Don't watch it. I've heard, yeah. That one's yeah. pretty bad.
0: Yeah, that's what i heard too. I never bothered.
1: Yeah, uh, but I like Battle Royale a lot uh I don't oh, okay
0: <laughs> I mean I don't hate it I just, the main kid really gets on my fucking nerves okay. um <laughs> I know believe me it's something that simple it takes me out of this like world-renowned beloved movie yeah but the main kid's kind of a douche I hate it that's, true. <laughs> oh, that's
1: he's the one douche in that movie too there's no other douches
0: yeah no right exactly <laughs> um, now do you think Mike I wonder where he put that?
1: That's the thing, he didn't specify, um, I know a lot of people like Shin Godzilla, I wasn't a fan, personally. I did not like it, I fucking thought it was
0: so boring.
1: Right, and meaningly I've heard a lot of that is obviously about like the sort of Doctor Strange lifestyle satire they're doing, which there's moments in that movie I think they get that really well, like, there's a great bit where they talk about like, oh hey, who's to blame for that Godzilla problem, and they passed along to various different departments in the bureaucracy, which is pretty early on in the movie, and they're like, okay, that's a really good example, like, if it's more like this, I'm gonna enjoy it. But then it's a lot of boardroom scenes that aren't that interesting.
0: Oh my god, so many boardroom scenes.
1: It's also a bummer because I actually do like the design of the various different Shin Godzilla's. I like the idea that it evolves, and I like especially the sort of weird, monstrous final version that almost looks like it's emaciated, but it still is like the most powerful godlike being possible. But there's a lot of stuff I like about that movie. I just wasn't the hugest fan, but uh, maybe worth revisiting at some point, who knows? I, there's enough people that like it so much that I'm like, okay, I should give it another chance at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. you go ahead and do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it won't be anytime soon. Um, but I do want to second what Jonathan was talking about with uh, Satoshi Kon, who was a great animator, um, who did, a lot, like uh, the movies he's mentioning, Perfect Blue is great, and did inspire Aaron Asuka a lot to the point where he bought the rights To remake that movie, but only so he could remake a specific scene um, in Requiem for a Dream, the bit where Jennifer Connelly's in the bathtub and she screams into the water, is shot for shot a sequence from Perfect Blue.
0: Yep. I've never been a real big anime guy. I I had my Mm -hmm. period, my point where I was really into it. Right. Uh, I kind of, I fell off. I I mean, I'm not against it. If there's a really, if there's one that's on that looks interesting, I'll try it for sure. Like... Obviously, I still eat up Studio Ghibli stuff, and uh, or Ghibli or whatever. Giblets. Studio Giblets. That's it. Studio <laughs> Giblets! Studio Giblets! We're frozen <laughs> in the <a> bag! <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I like Studio Giblets. I really, really do dig Akira. I, I'd say it is the gold standard for, like, cyberpunk aesthetic. You know, there's a couple of the shows that came out that I really liked and things like that, but I'm not as versed on it as I think maybe I should be to really form an opinion on anime.
1: Yeah, we're a couple of what the anime would call weeb's. I think we're not otaku's, who are the ones who are really.
0: Is that a real thing?
1: (laughs) I I would recommend as much as I do agree. I love Miyazaki. I'm actually going through some of his films I haven't seen previously. Like even like you all probably know about like Spirited Away or My Neighbor Totoro stuff like that. But definitely, like I just recently saw his movie, his first movie, um, *Lupin the third the *Castle of Cagliostro*. Definitely so out of control. It's so fucking great, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's just a good like, one. Oh, oh, hey, what if like a fairy tale princess story got crossover with a heist movie <laughs> at the yeah. same time? It's so fun. But yeah, if you like that stuff, I would also definitely recommend the documentary about Miyazaki making *The Wind Rises*, which I haven't seen. Um, I haven't either. But but that whole documentary is so fascinating because. Um, despite making these movies that are like, just, like, so optimistic and joyous and kind of, like, so endearing, especially like a My Neighbor Totoro, it's, like, maybe the cutest movie ever made. It's so fucking adorable. Um, he is such a bitter, cynical asshole <laughs> who uh-huh. the whole time is just like, oh, I've made all these films and there's no point. And I just raised a generation of otakus who just sit uh-huh. around and don't even make films. They just watch them. Uh, it was a mistake. (laughs) It's like, shit.
0: I know, he's real bitter, dude. (laughs) He's so
1: bitter. (laughs) He just makes, like, the most beautiful, whimsical movies, and you cry during them. It's so great. Oh, I know.
0: Like, Spirited Away, I fucking... That's my personal favorite of his. I fucking love Spirited Away.
1: Yeah, I I love that movie. It has one of my favorite (laughs) scores of all time, like the ending reprise music. I cry, too. I just cry every time (laughs) I hear that (laughs) fucking music. It's so great.
0: It's like me with the with the Meow Mix theme. Every time I hear that. I so like sorry. chicken. I like liver. Oh, abs. God. Oh,
1: no. My dad didn't love me enough. He never gave me Meow Mix. He just gave me that bastard cat of ours.
0: I want chicken and liver, too. Um... <laughs> uh, you know, uh, anime is huge still. I mean, it is absolutely huge, and uh, it's just okay. I just I don't. It doesn't. It's never really done it for me.
1: No, I'm not a big anime person either. Because I remember, especially when I was a kid, like Toonami was such a huge thing, and all my friends loved Toonami, and I would try oh, and get yeah. into it with, with like um, like Dragon Ball and all that other shit. Like I remember distinctly like, this is like a memory etched in my head of like why I'm not a huge anime person um, is I was just like I like to draw like especially Simpsons characters when I was a kid and sure. I had like this. there was this guy who I knew who was like into um, Dragon Ball Z stuff I'm like hey look here's Bart as a Super Saiyan guy right and just him with the big hair it's like isn't that fun and he was just like what kind of Super Saiyan is he how far does he go what are you talking about this is fucking stupid Thomas and I'm like okay
0: oh, <laughs> yeah, but that was an early turn off and he turned out to be Stanley.
1: <laughs> I'm curious why he was at my elementary school, and that was really weird for him to be there. I believe he was 75 at the time. Um, <laughs> it's stupid, Thomas. Excelsior. <laughs> um, but, you know, one anime I did actually watch, My one of my friends who was, like, huge in anime in college was just like, okay, we're going to watch this one because you're probably going to like it. It's called Kill a Kill. Um, it's about, like, these people who live in this world where like, clothes are actually alive and can transform around them, but also can also, like, have relationships with them, like, in a sort of friendly way. And this main girl basically becomes sort of the main opposing force in her school against the evil tyrants that also wear clothes that have come to life. It sounds incredibly stupid, and it is kind of, but at the same time, it's a very tongue-in-cheek show that is totally aware this concept is completely fucking ridiculous which I guess is part of my problem with anime is how self-serious it can sometimes take itself. Like, especially when one of my first attempts to get into it was Dragon Ball Z. And that show is 100% serious all the time.
0: (laughs) Oh, and it's awful. I don't care who I offend. I know so many grown-ass men who still love Dragon Ball. And it's... I just don't... I don't get it. I've never understood it. It is literally the same story arc every couple episodes.
1: But isn't it great that they just spend so much time talking before a battle? Like, they spend five episodes building up to a battle?
0: Of this ultimate bad guy who's even stronger than the last one.
1: Right, which even as a kid, I was just like, so why did that happen? And I found out from, like, all my anime friends that like, oh yeah, so they were trying to follow the manga, and they caught up to the manga, and then the manga stopped being published for like, a couple years. So they are like, oh fuck, what do we do now? Um... Let's have them talk at each other for, like, a solid half-season straight, and then they attack each other.
0: Oh, oh God. And the fight scenes. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to get out. We're probably going to like, nine (laughs) million listeners.
1: All you uh, ESO people who probably love anime just coming on Oh, shit. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) All the fucking geeks are trying to listen to us, Adam. Jesus.
0: Sorry, Um, guys. We love it. (laughs) We're so kawaii. (laughs) I'm
1: kawaii for kawaii. Oh, nice. Well, you know, I I guess before we kind of transition out here, Adam, uh, what about some, what are some of your favorite live action Japanese films? Uh, I like
0: Versus. Versus is good. Um, Like, did you ever see It's a Joint Japanese American uh, Brother?
1: No, I don't believe I've seen that one.
0: That's a good one uh, with Takeshi Kitano. Yeah. And I think Omar Epps. That's a really good one. Of course, the Kurosawa movies. I mean, they're just some of the greatest movies ever. The Seven Samurai still holds up.
1: I saw that in a theater a few years ago, the first time I ever saw it. Ooh. And, uh, it's that was a great experience. I do want to see just more. That's the only Kurosawa movie I've seen, but I definitely want to like obviously see as many as mm. I can. 13 Assassins. 13, I've heard, yes. That was...
0: That's a really, really good one too, man.
1: For me, I would say just one I really want to spotlight. It's one I definitely want to cover on the show at some point. Though technically it's a Hong Kong Japanese co-production, but mm-hmm. just one of the most amazing films we've ever seen. Uh, Rikio, the story of Ricky. Oh my That's... God.
0: Oh, I love Rikio. Such a great fucking movie. <laughs> It is, out. talk about out-of-control batshit crazy.
1: Yep, and one of the rare Japanese movies where, uh, we didn't discuss this, but we watched both these movies uh, that we're watching today, subbed, Uh, one of the rare ones where the -the over-the-top bad dub is the way to watch the movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, 100%. You have to watch it with that dub. Oh, God, that's a good one, man.
1: (laughs) That's totally a back pocket. We need to talk about that at some point. Such a great movie. uh
0: House is a good one, too. House is yes. very bizarre. Yes. Uh, that's a good one. Zatochi the Blind Swordsman's good.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a
0: lot of good ones. I mean, The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise.
1: <laughs> the most authentic. Yeah, but no, Hollywood
0: doesn't whitewash.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> nope, no, no, they no, they don't do that at I don't all. Know. Know.
0: Not at all. No, 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 The Last Samurai's fucking 5'2 Tom Cruise. Anyways, um... <laughs> <laughs> I apparently have a lot of uh, blank spots when it comes to Japanese cinema. I I haven't seen as many as I thought I have. But then again, not following really anime, that's a huge chunk of it. Probably the biggest chunk of their uh, film production. Uh, So, I mean, if anything, doing this show and doing this episode... Uh, makes me want to maybe seek out some more.
1: Gives us maybe an excuse to revisit this topic in the future, even just do specifically anime as a topic, and uh, maybe bring on someone more yeah, versed.
0: Oh, you mean like Jonathan?
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna name names. Jonathan? But... <laughs> I'll name the fucking name. Black Gendo himself. <laughs> That's his Twitter handle, at Black Gendo, follow him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's a few other people who have been guests on here who are also fans of the anime, which they fucking love that uh... JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. They fucking love that.
0: Yeah, well... No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, actually, before we keep going, uh, one bit of feedback uh, from Jerry Chandler uh, that's uh, more related to our recent announcement here, uh, where they said, Double Edge Double Bill is on the ESO network now. I missed an announcement somewhere. Congrats! I hope it brings you a good chunk of new listeners. It already has, and uh, we appreciate you for sticking around.
0: Yeah, thanks. And thank you, Jerry. Yes. You're a bench.
1: Yes. I'll definitely be seeing you at Dragon Con, Jerry, which I'll be uh, talking about that a bit Or no, why are we hotching?
0: Get
1: that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, on that note, um, let's go ahead and get into our uh, thank yous. We want to thank Chris Oliver for the intro and after music used on our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Scarter for the art for our show as well. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at DEDBpod and also Facebook. That's where we put out those feelers every Monday about whatever topic we're going to be doing. Um, and you can also follow my own individual account at NotTheWho'sTommy, uh, where I do my own individual musings. And also you can find me at uh, marianitomas.com wordpress.com that's where um, I'll do reviews and such and also I write for a satire superhero news site called uh, true com, where I just uh, basically do what the onion does um, for the uh, superhero news onslaught uh, with a lot of other great talented writers um, I just recently put up an article about how dr Stranges sequel is gonna get spooky with uh, horror vibes in a the direction of having spooky Halloween decorations yeah which that was is- a good article. <laughs> thank you yes and a shout out to chad oliver who did the great photoshop in that oh it's so funny <laughs> it's so fucking funny. um but yeah go uh check that out and also you can hear me on the latest episode of desmond's flicks in which uh i appear to talk about west craven double feature of a uh, deadly friend and the serpent in the rainbow and you can also listen to adam and myself on uh, the latest episode of the Earth Station 1 podcast, uh, where we uh, are in the geek seat.
0: Yes.
1: You ask us a bunch of different things to welcome us into the ESM network.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having us on there, guys. I'm never going to fucking do it again. Don't ask. <laughs>
1: <me>. <laughs> we deeply appreciate you considering us. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, too. <laughs>
1: And uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, about Dragon Con, uh, don't worry folks, this is the final time because um, as you're all listening to this, I'm probably hastily packing uh, before my flight to go to Dragon Con, where I'll be doing some panels over there. Just one more time for all you in the back, Um, I will be doing panels for the Urban Fantasy track and the Horror track uh, throughout that entire Labor Day weekend. Uh, first up on Friday, August thirtieth at seven PM, I'll be doing the Apocalypse Now: A Good Omens fan panel about the book and the miniseries on Amazon, and that'll be in the Chastain Room at the Western Hotel. And all these will be in the Western Hotel.
0: The Chastain of the Jessicas.
1: Yep. Great gag. You repeated twice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hey,
0: man. Hey. Hey. It's like a fide wide.
1: <laughs> Doesn't age like Jessica Chastain. Um, hey, oh, you're, in it. you're in on it and then uh, at 10pm on August 30th at in the Peachtree Room where the rest of these will be at the Westin Hotel um, I'll be doing the Blair Witch Legacy panel which will be for the horror track and that will be all about obviously the Blair Witch Saga it, the original film and all the different films and TV specials and all the ephemera that that resulted in um, and then at 1pm on August 31st I'll be in the Horror of Scooby Doo panel Uh, talking about uh, Srooby-Ruby-Doo and all the horror influence it's had. In the last 50 years, it's been on the air. Can you believe it, Adam? 50 years of Scooby-Dooby-Doo?
0: Good lord, it's still going.
1: Yep, in some form or another. It's like like an elder god. It'll never be defeated. And then um, on the 31st as well, at 8.30pm, I'll be doing a panel uh, for Nosferatu, a Symphony of Horror, the classic silent film where I will be not only talking about that original film, but also all the various different other uh, sort of remakes and spin-offs and such that came off of it. Uh, obviously, SpongeBob will be a great big topic of discussion. Uh, and there will also be a screening of the film following the panel um, with a live orchestral accompaniment. Well, not orchestral. I believe it's just a person at a piano or something. Who knows? Come and see. Find out. And then on Sunday, uh, September 1st at 1 p.m., I'll be doing a panel about what we do in the shadows, which will be not just the film, but also the recent series that premiered on FX, which uh, I recently went through in preparation for that. And, uh, man, that show's fucking great. <laughs> it's so Spoilers it's for the panel.
0: so good. <laughs> such a
1: great show. Um,
0: Matt Barry, I think that's the name, they Matt Barry?
1: Yeah, Matt Barry and... Uh, oh, he so fucking kills me on that show. <laughs> and all, and also the dude who plays the energy vampire. That's such a great Oh, game.
0: my <laughs> God, what a good gag. Such a good um, gag. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> All right, I'll save it. I'll save it for you. But oh man, did that have me
1: dying? Yep. And they even build on throughout the show, and it's a, it's a really uh, great first season. I can't wait for the second. But come to any of those panels, or download the DragonCon app if you're coming to the show over in Atlanta, Georgia. If you're there, download the app. Follow me. I'm one of the attending professionals, and uh, just add those to your schedule. Come and see me. Um, just if you especially love the show, please come. Tell me. I am not afraid of you at all, no no, not really, no <laughs> um, and uh, you can find Adam experimenting attaching people together I guess in his basement, I don't know, what do you do? I
0: guess, I don't know, what the hell I do and again, I just want to throw it out there, I did, had to do it a couple of weeks ago but the, the audio quality it might be a little uh, spotty on my end because uh, we tried something different and it didn't work we gotta do a little more research on it yes and, uh, my laptop is, uh, what I call, uh, it's the technical term, a piece of fucking shit. Um. Oh, yeah, POS. Not to, yes. too, not to get too technical, you guys, I'm sorry. Sorry for, you know, you non-computer nerds.
1: Is that the operating system you run on is POS?
0: Oh, yeah, POS. It's a piece of fuck. I mean, it's a <laughs> piece of fuck. Oh, you so, downloaded
1: that program.
0: Yeah, I got okay. that one. I think that might, might have been actually would it crashed the thing. Uh, so I, uh. So I'm using my phone again tonight and uh that's all. I, I you know just I hope you can bear with us on that for maybe another week or two.
1: Yes, and uh please make sure for more great content like that to subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcast uh catching format you have out there. We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on YouTube. We're all over the place wherever you can find a podcast including the ESO network feed.
0: Ooh. I don't know why I did that noise.
1: <laughs> I'm very confused as well. I'm <laughs> completely. Yeah, all right. Well,
0: they're they both excited and scared me.
1: Maybe it's time we get to the picket, Adam. Yeah. So we've reached the end of another episode, Adam, and, uh, you know, it's time to do our picking for the next week's festivities, as we do at the end of every episode for those who might be new. Each week, Adam and I each have two movies based on a certain quality um, that we rotate on. Um, In this case, Adam has two good movies and I have two bad movies that we've each assigned numbers between 1 and 10. And so the other person will pick a number between 1 and 10 of their own at a random and that will end up getting us the random double bill of the good and bad feature. And uh, this one's a bit of a somber note, Adam. Uh, We haven't done one of these in a little bit but um you know when somebody we really appreciate passes away which for the record has been happening a lot in 2019 but they're all people who were just hard to really like do an entire retrospective of their career necessarily but we picked one person who died who immediately were just like we got to do this especially Mm because he's an undersung character actor Rutger Hauer died about a month ago and we were totally bummed by that news
0: yeah this was a hard one for me uh Rutger Hauer has always been one of my favorite actors uh, especially character actors and he uh he is the single-handedly gives life to my favorite all-time villain in one of my favorite all-time movies of Roy Batty and Blade Runner. Of so he always holds a special spot for me. And I followed him, and I was so excited when he popped back up out of nowhere and mainstream and Batman Begins and things like that. And it's like, hey, I didn't realize he was in his late what, his 67, or was he? No, he was in his 70s.
1: He had looked pretty much that same age since around, like, the late 90s. He,
0: yeah, he, like, never aged. Like, he went from Blade Runner to Blind Fury and then kind of stuck there. Yeah. Um,
1: he was 75, by the way.
0: Jesus. But I didn't realize he was that old. And, uh, yeah, this one sucked. This one sucked a lot.
1: Yes, but, of course, uh, you have the two good movies and neither of the films you mentioned are included, I assume. No, of course not. No, no. yeah, those are more mainstream choices. But uh, that's not your bag. Um, But then I have the two (laughs) bad ones, which we want to emphasize like we always do when this happens. We're not trying to, like, decry Rutger Hauer when we do a bad movie for a show based around them as much as celebrate the wide variety of their career, especially for someone like Rutger Hauer, who did a lot, if you look at his IMTV page.
0: so much. And a lot of them are kind of stinkers. Not to say he's bad in them, but noobly. Yeah.
1: Uh, but those are my two choices. First, Adam, for your two good ones, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick number four.
0: Number two, I have Lady Hawk with Ruggerhauer and Michelle Pfeiffer and someone I previously mentioned that I can't stand, but I don't mind him in this, Matthew Broderick.
1: Okay, I have not seen this one, so this will be a discovery.
0: Yeah, fantasies, magic, swords, horses, curses, priests. I mean... It's just a fun movie. The, the, I'm going to tell you right now, the most bizarre out there soundtrack you've ever heard. Okay, it's fun. And at number uh, number eight, I had Hobo with a Shotgun, which I think is probably the, his best later in life role.
1: Oh, I love that movie. I want to talk about it at some point. We it's can. So great. Oh, it's so great. Redemption,
0: oh, man, can I always re- come back.
1: It could potentially, yes. Uh, but now I have them for my two bad choices. Fuck.
0: Oh, no. I'm just going to go right at the end and pick number 10.
1: All right. This is one that I haven't seen but has a very terrible reputation. Um, From a classic horror director, um, it is Dario Argento's Dracula 3D at number 8.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is the worst (laughs) fucking movie I've ever seen.
1: That's part of why I picked it, because I heard you really fucking hated this.
0: It's the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. What was your other one? I'm sorry. You're so
1: did you. That's all right. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And uh, at number three, I had Omega Doom. Uh,
0: all right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, what do we got? One of
0: his best and definitely his worst.
1: (laughs) It's the wide breadth of his career.
0: Oh, you are are just gonna fucking be miserable. And you know what? It's worth it for that.
1: (laughs) I mean, we haven't covered a truly god-awful movie in quite a while, though. This one is really bad. Okay, so that's the thing. (laughs) All right. Well, that ends another episode of double Edge, Double Bill Adams. So, on that note, uh, let's make a movie. Let's get a Yakuza group. Let's have some fun.
0: Yes! Long live the giant condor. I'm never going to give that up. Well, I probably will. I, might, I, I just retired. That's the last time.
1: Well, it's appropriate for our Japanese cinema episode, then.
0: It is. That yeah. I retired on that. So, now I've got to come up with something else for next week.
1: Tune in so. to find out! Good night!